0: this is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world
1: A friend of mine told me i had to check out
0: this pool america on main street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering first.
1: It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train, the way it's being
2: done right now. York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today, and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper.
0: Hello, I'm Fred Mills, and this is the world's best construction podcast by the b one n Hello, and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the world's best construction podcast. If you've come back to us after that quiz episode, which was 20% questions, 80% us arguing about the score, then we really appreciate you coming back and sticking with us. I'm Fred, and as always, I'm joined by a uh, quiz cheat, Liam, and, uh, well, very hard judge, very hard quiz judge, Liam, and person who rigged the rules, Luke. How you doing, guys?
2: <laughs> mate, the bickering was the best part. <laughs> it was a lot of bickering. <laughs> a lot of I'd, content. A lot of bickering. <laughs> I'd, 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 I had a mate message me saying some quotes, some of the things we were saying, and he's like, man, I loved it. The bickering was just, it was just the best episode.
1: Yeah, it was the best. I think it was my favorite episode, one of our favorites for sure. So we should do. And he it also again.
2: said, "Do you know? Do you know what else he said? He's also said uh, the Hong Kong airport is reclaimed land, not an artificial island. So there you it's go. The same fellas. thing. It's the same thing. Well, no, I actually I not some really? Of this Sam,
0: you know our big fan. <laughs> Sam, he actually direct messaged me saying, "I don't know if that's the same I'm thing. I'm as right? outraged as you about the Hong <laughs> Kong airport thing. You were robbed at that point. So <laughs>
2: thanks for listening, Sam." Out. There, yeah, thanks for getting halfway through. So, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: as it turned out, that extra point wouldn't have helped me. But, uh, but yeah, as I said to someone, uh, I said to someone on the weekend, if you if you like, if you love the world's best construction podcast, you will love this. If you're not a fan of our podcasts and the banter and the talking over each other and the bickering, that episode will probably have finished you off. So now we're. left... <laughs> Now we're <laughs> left with our core listeners, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Thanks for coming back to us,
1: guys. Thanks for coming back. Have you guys had a good week? Yeah, not bad, mate. I've been uh been been decorating and I've been decorating putting up shelves and painting. And I feel like every time I I I look somewhere, um there's paint on my body. And I'm like, right, brilliant. That's just
2: another bit. But yeah, Ooh. so it's been a you know bit know relentless. You, can, you know you can clean that off, mate.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yes. you keep yes. showing me paint on your arms. Let's get some uh, methylated spirits, just a bit of a rag, a bit of a wipe. <laughs> yeah, should I? Yeah. Some
1: spirit. All right then, mate. <laughs> Have you been painting Still today? Right, mate. Uh, no, last night though. Last ah, fair. night. And our boiler and our boiler is broken this morning. So it's all it's all been a little bit crazy, lads. Like, I don't want to bore you too much with it. Yeah, and I don't want your sympathy, but maybe just a little bit of sympathy. I don't know.
2: Does yeah. that mean, I mean you're have- um, having cold showers, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm having um, a Liam special, mate. And mm. wow, does that wake you up. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it takes your breath away, mate. You're like, oh it does, my days, mate. it's so cold. <laughs> yeah, it it's makes so you cold. gasp for
2: air if you keep your head under the cold water too long. Like, it's like you're having a little heart
1: attack, it, like a little panic attack. It does, but you feel quite warm afterwards. That's And I remember you saying that the other day. But um, yeah, mate, could be worse, could be worse um fred you you were saying earlier offline that you're thinking about seeing oppenheimer are you gonna go watch oppenheimer or barbie i am quite up
0: for it i i I didn't realize it was three hours long i mean i'm probably gonna go oppenheimer not barbie just because i i just Mm. fancy oppenheimer a bit more i didn't realize it was three hours long i'm not sure i've got three hours spare to be quite honest but maybe i need to take three hours to sit down in peace and watch it i think i'm probably gonna go for it so i'll let you know i'll let you know next week what i thought of it um these uh these intro stories are so good aren't they we, we've
2: really raised the bar the last few weeks
0: we had your shile above elijah wood story which was, a, oh, that I, was I think, shocking i think we'd hit the bottom i think we'd hit the bottom of the barrel there and then we've, this week we've got painting me me maybe seeing a film i haven't seen yet <laughs>
1: It's welcome life. guys yeah
0: we've actually this week actually marks a year that we've been doing this podcast so um there you go guys
2: we have run out of stories
0: so <laughs> we've run out of stuff to talk about in our lives it took a year <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow that's incredible the the, the the show's come a long way those first episodes like i cringe at listening to them like i just
0: yeah Whereas the last episode, we all got
2: on, we weren't talking
0: over each other, (laughs) it was planned in advance, it was structured. (laughs) Just the rolling chaos of that massive quiz. Guys, I loved the quiz. I think a lot of you liked the quiz as well. So we're going to do the quiz again. Uh, What themed quiz should we have? We're going to each write, we're going to be more organized, right? So we'll each write some questions, make sure it's a bit more kind of balanced and fair. Um, And Liam, you need to be kinder on the scoring system and not ask such
2: tough stuff. I, I genuinely I mean, think um, you should have answered about 90% of the questions I gave you, Fred. Well, so. I'm going to ask the questions next. I'm going to ask the questions next, and I'm going to be the okay, judge. Can, yeah. Can I'm we establish that you, you, you only one. get a point if you get the right answer? You don't get a point <laughs> for participating and well, trying. I, I fully support that rule because I got <laughs> okay. the right answers. Yeah. I was it, denied yeah.
1: those points. <laughs> Yeah, suppose, all right.
0: You only gave a source for one
2: of your questions. One of them, you're like, oh, yeah, the source is this. as Skyscraper Center, That was the list of the skyscrapers, Skyscraper Center, I think.
0: Mm, outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, coming up this week, we're going to try a more structured episode for you. We have got the building that broke Taipei, a video that came out on the B1M yesterday. Some big Skyscraper news. So five World Trade Centers got the green light in New York, while over in London... 55 Bishopsgate has also been given the green light. We're also going to talk about construction story of the year 2023. The entries are now open. As always, we're going to be talking over each other, having a good laugh, and chatting about all wonderful things architecture and construction as we go through. Let's do it. Let's go. So, first of this week, we're going to be talking about the building that broke Taipei. Now, this is the Taipei Performing Arts Centre, which is a pretty extraordinary building, it's fair to say. One that has to be seen to be believed. you be delighted we're talking about it on a podcast medium. Uh, but this building is, is crazy. The only way I can describe it is it's like it's sitting in the middle of Taipei, in the middle of the city. It's kind of this elevated box, this huge box up on stilts with boxes coming out of it and then a giant ball coming out one side of it. It's probably 10 or 15 stories high. It's a huge structure. It looks like some sort of AI creation. It looks like sort of an architect sneezed and a load of drawings all sort of fell on the floor and they stitched those drawings together and made this Frankenstein type building. But it actually kind of works. It's very eye-catching. It's very out there. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Just before we get into the detail on this guy's the story of this building, gut impressions on what it looks like face value. Where are you at?
2: Facade? Uh, not a fan at all. Honestly, <laughs> I, was, I was watching the video. I was watching the video, right? And I was just like, "Man, that is that is ugly." So, but the interior is amazing. Mm. The floor plan, the layout—I was really blown away, and that really drew me into it. It's—it's it's an epic, epic building. But the facade, yeah, no, not for me. It just looks like a ball <laughs> with some sort of Tetris blocks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, loved it. Uh, I love that. I love. i love that the architects in the video were even like look we didn't design this um wanting to win awards or anything We, we just designed something that would be really practical and i really liked their approach to how they developed the site and the wider the the wider impact around the community like the markets and stuff that we'll we'll get into but um yeah it's 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 a look it is a look. It's a little <laughs> bit random, but at angles, at angles, I actually think it looks really decent. But at, yeah. the, at some angles, it does look a little bit like you've let a 12 year old on Minecraft just go mad. You know. Yeah, so. and that's
0: quite that's kind of what happened and, and we're not a twelve year old, but they kind of just kind of lent into it and went a bit crazy. So, I mean, guys, as I said, worth typing this one into Google, right? It's the Taipei Performing Arts Center. You'll know instantly the building we're talking about. It looks unlike anything you've seen before. It looks like one of these sort of crazy Picasso type postmodernist drawings that are put together and, and then made in building form. It's it's incredible. Now, this structure, the Taipei Performing Arts Center, is actually one of the most important cultural buildings in Asia. Two hundred twenty-six million US dollars, but it's now eighty million dollars over budget, and that is a lot of money on that kind of budget. It's been under construction for a decade, um, and we opened the we opened the video with this quote from the mayor of Taipei, who in twenty fifteen stood on the site and said he was going to strangle every single one of the contractors if it couldn't be completed like there's just been this crazy story behind what is a crazy looking building so it, this is a great video really one to dive into and have a look at we've got direct interviews with the architects behind it uh oma which is really cool We we really go into the the story of this one which i which i really like Rewinding a bit for you, back in 2008, Taipei launched this international design competition to come up with a design for a set of theatres that are going to be built on the site of the Shilin Night Market. The idea was that those buildings would be an icon for culture and helped kind of legitimize the tiny nation on the world stage. Taipei is obviously the capital of Taiwan. Uh, there's obviously a, a much bigger geopolitical conversation to have about that, but this is really what it was trying to do, trying to put Taipei on the map. Dutch studio OMA, as we said, won the competition, but they did it by not trying to win the competition. They just sort of thought that like, what if we just went crazy, thought outside the box, put some stuff down, sketched it out, and stuck it into this competition. And it's really interesting. They talk in the video that, that that mentality almost helped them stand out above the hundreds of other entries. It helped them create something that was a bit different and wasn't just this straightforward. Me in the brief, x number of seats, x number of theatre space, that sort of thing. So it's a really cool story i can't imagine being in that architecture practice when they got the call that oh yeah that crazy building we stuck in we've uh we've won it and we've got to build it now <laughs> like <laughs> yeah we've all had those moments haven't we?
1: yeah they were probably thinking like oh <laughs> we've actually won it we actually have to build this now like you know <laughs> <laughs> they've yeah. probably regretted it mate
2: <laughs> i wonder yeah. what the the government in taipei what their decision was behind it. If they, if they genuinely, if they're like, Oh, we love the, the exterior, the facade of it. You know, we love the whole concept, the inside, the outside. You know what I mean? But like, it, cause, because, because yeah. obviously us three, we're, we're all kind of like, you know, not that impressed by the exterior. Um, I, I quite like it. It, it. it is an ugly building. Right.
0: But I actually, the more <laughs> I look at it, the more I kind of quite like it. And I'd like to think they did something that was going to put themselves on the map, that was a cultural landmark, that ignited conversation and fit, fitted in with the kind of the, the very varied concept and, and context of the surrounding cityscape. Um, either that, or they were drunk when they signed
2: off. One of the, one of those two, basically. Mm. It's either a very clever architectural so, decision. Do you, do you think these um, sort of Iconic sort of buildings, art centres, you know, like the, uh, the Sydney Opera House. Do, they, do you think they have to be unique like this? Because I think the Sydney Opera House is really ugly. Personally, I, Whoa. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's really? iconic. It's a yeah, I think it's I think it looks good in the harbour, like. But me, just visually, I just when I am up close to it, I am like, ah, oh, I don't really like the. I, I just don't like
0: it. It's the only interesting building Australia's got, and you don't like it.
2: Crown, Crown Towers, cool. I like that. It's a gla- It's a, it, I do like that, but You're it's a tower in uh, Melbourne. I quite like that. Yeah,
0: no, I, 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 like, I like these buildings, but they're glass skyscrapers. <laughs> we have glass skyscrapers worldwide, but Sydney Opera House is unique. It is a groundbreaking cultural icon that changed the world.
2: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not, I'm just saying aesthetically, I'd agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's very visually appealing to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I believe it's great. You know, it's a great icon for the city, but I just don't look at it and go, oh. Geez, that's a good-looking building. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I, I think
0: sorry, I, know mean, I know what you mean with the with the the one in Taipei. I don't agree with you on Sydney Opera House. I think it's a stunning building. Really. Well, what do you think looks better, the Sydney,
1: Sydney, or 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 Taipei, Sydney? Me, Uh mm. Sydney by far. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Just, just checking. Just checking.
0: It's interesting with these cultural landmarks. You look at like. Uh, you know the the some of the v buildings, a buildings, the, the V&A Dundee jumps to mind. The Walt Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles. They have to almost, they need to make a statement and challenge conventional thinking and draw people in and start a conversation and reflect. They're, try, they're trying to achieve a lot of things. It's quite a difficult thing to build, but I I think this, as I said, at first at face value, you're like I don't want to make this. And I should shout out to our content producer Tim because uh he's pitched this video for a while and i was like nah i don't want to make it it's an ugly building but actually the more i look at it and the way he's put this story together it's actually it does it does come across well and you understand more of it so yeah i'm it's one of those things the more you look at it the less ugly it gets like me in many ways (laughs) (laughs) i think the longer you look at me the more ugly i get (laughs) it's probably the case (laughs) reaching mate yeah can can you turn your video off mate actually (laughs) 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 Um, right so this is an interesting right this this is rising on the site of the shillin night market now nightlife is a really key part of taipei's identity it has a real buzzing nightlife so what the architects wanted to do initially was to kind of retain the night markets on the site they saw that as a way of uh creating or combining kind of so-called high culture and low culture together on one site and to keep the site's identity and vibrance and then they use the kitchens of the night markets to kind of inspire the theater above which is where this kind of literally hot pot melting pot saucepan type look kind of comes from at stages um but they were really impressed by the fact the kitchens have a lot of capacity in a very small space so the kitchens they can cook loads of food do loads of stuff turn loads of stuff around on these tiny little stools. And they wanted to take that philosophy into the theatre. So they basically tried to pack a lot of capacity into what is relatively a, a relatively small space. So within this building, you've got the Globe Playhouse, which is an 800-seat spherical theatre. You'll be able to spot that one from the picture artillery now, because it's hanging out the side of the building. That's designed to resemble a planet docking against the cube. Again, they've achieved that. But definitely looks like that. Uh, and it's inspired by the Globe in London. I mean, in the fact that it's in the round, the rest of it is nothing. It looks like another globe in London, to be honest. But anyway, there's the link. There's also the Grand Theatre, which is a 1,500-seat space. And then there's the Blue Box, which is being used for more experimental shows, like a live version of this podcast, I imagine, would be quite experimental, arty, questioned by many people. Uh, Instead of of giving each theatre its own back of house uh, and its own entrance, they've put all that together. So there's one big entrance, one back of house for all these three theatres. They then lifted the whole thing up above the ground on stilts. So there's space underneath the public use. Some of those night markets are retained, as I said. There's also a public loop that runs through the entirety of the building. So anyone can walk through... Uh, and see the inner workings of the theatre behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, I believe, at any time without a ticket. It's like a glass kind of walkthrough thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool.
1: I love that it's available to the public to walk around and for them to view you know, um, I had a we we did a similar thing at the Library of Congress in in Washington D.C. There's a bit where you can walk up and you can look at this this library, and there are statesmen, there's people, uh, maybe students, politicians in the library studying. But you can go and look down at it, and it just it feels a lot more connected to to the city when there's I don't know places for the public just wandering, made, ticketed or not ticketed. Um yeah, I, I think that's always a good thing, especially architecturally, something like this. Um yeah, well 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 impressive, mate. Well impressive. Some of it I understand, you know, the globe thing, I'm like, yeah, yeah, mm. I kinda get it Shakespeare's Globe, <laughs> but it's just <laughs> some of I all understand. like <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. it's just like doing a huge ball and saying yeah this is a nod to shakespeare's globe it's like okay yeah that's a little bit literal for for me but anyway it's it's still all very impressive the interior is crazy mm. good crazy good
2: yeah the theater and how they can extend it to fit i can't remember what, what we said an extra hundred people or eleven hundred people um Yeah, it's amazing. I think as well, if you're watching like a show in the globe, the way they've set it out, I think like the sound would be like travel around really nicely. It'd be, you go see Oppenheimer there, Fred. I could (laughs) (laughs) travel to Taipei to watch a video
0: about a nuclear bomb being built by the Americans. Um, Yes, I could do, mate. Again, if I see this film, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) i have to let you know. Um, Engineering a bit. I love love it. Yeah. Good, good podcast story, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, engineering of this blew me away, right? Says so there's, as you can imagine, building this thing is crazy. I can imagine the contractors getting the drawings and being like, "You what, mate? What do you want to build here?" Crazy, isn't you? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Um, in, in obviously in Taiwanese accents, not in Cockney London accents, but anyway. <laughs> Um, It's basically, they've got this huge, big central volume, and then the theatres are floating out of it at varying angles. There are cantilevers, there's enormous domes, and the whole thing's built in an earthquake zone as well. So you've got earthquakes to worry about, which is another twist to this story that makes this building even more remarkable. Um, Basically, they they built this central cube, and then the faces of that were turned into a stiff-braced steel box carrying the building's lateral loads and quite a lot of the gravity force. Um, That works in combination with columns beneath the auditoriums to support and stabilize these three volumes that kind of project out of the main cube. You can see that when you look at the pictures, you can see there's a central cube and then there's the three volumes projecting out of it and they're held up by sticks outside the building. Crazy looking thing. But as I said, kind of works. Um, As I alluded to, Taipei is famously prone to earthquakes. It sits right in the middle of the Pacific Ring of Fire. So the art centre's been carefully engineered to be earthquake-proof. The whole superstructure is base-isolated, essentially meaning that it's been lifted up and separated from its foundations. So you have these kind of like... uh, It's almost like suspension in a car a little bit. You have these huge rubber pads. I'm simplifying this. These huge rubber pads in the foundations that kind of separate the building from everything else with rubber. Um, When an earthquake occurs the ground shakes but those in the building only feel about 40 percent of its force so 60 percent of the earthquake uh, vibration and movement is absorbed the building is kind of protected by being base isolated from the ground it sits on very very cool they've done that actually in skyscrapers around the world i've never known a huge theater have that done if you if you're listening and you do know a theater that's base isolated again this is a niche question one for Liam's <laughs> quiz, I would imagine. Which theatre is base isolated? <laughs> uh, let us know, guys. Get it coming in. Podcast at theplm.com. One last thing is that the globe itself cantilevers 26 metres out of the main cube, uh, which is just an incredible feat of engineering. Like, there's, It looks crazy architecturally. Uh, it's a huge landmark building, but then the construction industry has come in and made it happen, which... Again, just shows to me the power of this industry.
2: Yeah, that earthquake proofing I found re- really interesting. How it's lifted up from the base and in, in the, I think we show like a little uh, bit of graphics in the video demonstrating that it's super cool. Every time we show in a video the ring of fire, that earthquake line, it just I don't know why it just freaks me out. It's just this dead, and we always do it in red, so it's just like, you know, it just means danger. Pointing all just the way to and it goes right through.
0: Just to quickly clarify, if you're listening to this on audio, the Ring of Fire, we are talking about the uh, tectonic plates around the edge of the oh. Pacific. Okay, just in case you've got a different image in your head, it is the <laughs> it's, it's a the real same. seismic activity zone <laughs> that borders the Pacific Ocean. <laughs>
2: yeah, just I to ex- I expect everyone listening is watching the video or watches the video before they listen. So yeah, that's that's be. my bad. You better be, guys. I, should, I shouldn't be so optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: Mm. Um, now as always guys with all these big projects there is uh it's not been plain sailing as i might have alluded to earlier on and as you probably guessed from the mayor saying he wanted to strangle every contractor unless the thing got finished um whole project was due to complete by 2013 construction didn't even start until 2012 uh remember the whole thing was as i said due to complete by 2013 the mayor's uh big threat to everyone was in 2015 um there was even the main contractor was completely bankrupted by it. So, you know, people have people have gone bust over this. The budget has ballooned from 120 million US dollars to 226 million US dollars, as we said. Uh, then that was, that was all kind of going on, and then the pandemic hit, and the lead architects had to basically finish and coordinate the art centre remotely from Europe via Zoom. So this has been a, a real battle. There's been loads of debates over it has been loads of struggle to get it to where it is there's it's cost the the city and the country loads of money it's taken much longer than planned this could be any large construction project worldwide it feels like lately but uh <laughs> but there you go should say that now the whole thing is finally finished opened in 2022 you can go and watch shows there now i don't know if they're showing Oppenheimer, but there are other cultural shows down there you can watch now so yeah bit of a journey for this um it, it it took a lot for Taipei to build. This is why we call it the building that nearly broke Taipei because there was a it, it brought political leaders, uh, basically contractors, the public really into conflict with one another. But it's there now and it's finished. So mm-hmm.
2: great spot too. I think all those um, night markets have actually made me want to go to Taipei. Obviously, to see this project, seeing the um, the night markets actually just made me how much I realize how much I love going to them when I'm in Asia and you just pull up, you know, you can be there. Like, I remember I got off a flight once in Kuala Lumpur. My brother picked me up at like 2am from London and he's like, are you hungry? I was like, yeah. And we just went to a little night market, sat there and had a beer and had some, I think it was like chicken and fried rice with some like curry. Oh yeah. And it was just like people everywhere. I was just like, oh, it was my first time going to Southeast Asia as well. Mm. I was just like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Mm. This is like you, a proper 24 hour city. Cause people say that about London. And London's definitely not a twenty-four hour city. Like it, it's you know the city closes down, pubs close down at like eleven, don't they? Like yeah. Soho yeah. area well, circus. Me and you, um, me and you know that Liam because we missed the last
0: tube, didn't we, on the night of the uh, get construction talking event in the rain. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, mate. we know it. in a twenty-four hour city. Just hearing yeah. you talk about those night markets, so I can smell those night markets. Just hearing you talk about it, and now I'm hungry. So, what does it smell mate? like, Matt? It smells. It smells good. Mm. It smells good. Very good. I'm, I'm not going to describe the smell because I got it wrong. Just <laughs> <Okay. laughs> going to say it smells good. Probably the right
2: thing to do. <laughs> but it's amazing though, and the beers are always really cold. Oh mate. And it's like oh, I remember love. it was like two dollars or something.
0: Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Cold beer, Asian food, night market. Love it. i mean oh. another reason to go to this theater. Another reason to go. Would you reckon, Luke? Is uh, is Taipei better off for this building?
1: Yes, absolutely mate. Absolutely. It might not be a visual feast that everyone wanted, but yeah, I think the the it, I think a lot of projects can learn from this sort of project. The way that it respects its environment, it respected the local culture, it respected the night markets, the fact that it was even an option that they were like, "Oh, we might get rid of it." You know, and they were like, "No, no, no, we'll keep we'll keep all of that part that culture surrounding this this um this structure around yeah i think it's superb mate inside looks really good it's really interesting like you've said it it encourages discussion around architecture around construction um mate i it's brilliant and yeah the the night market stuff sounds amazing what i would do for a two pound beer chicken fried rice curry come on come on you
0: can, uh, you can get that in London, but uh, you might be ill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know what you think about this building, guys. Obviously, it's uh, it's pretty out there. It's got a pretty crazy story and a pretty crazy look. Get your comments coming in, podcast at theb1m.com. Also in the news this week, we have got skyscraper news from both sides of the Atlantic. There are big things happening in both New York and London. Starting with New York first, five World Trade Center has finally been given the green light. This is uh, rising in lower Manhattan on the World Trade Center site next to the 9-11 Memorial site. You're right, there is still stuff going on down at the 9-11 Memorial site. They've obviously, uh, the Memorial was built, the new uh, one World Trade Center was built. And then steadily over the years, they've built four World Trade Center, they've built seven World Trade Center we're now almost twenty-three years on from nine 11 um, but there's still developments and things happening around the site. We always did a big video last year about Two World Trade Center, which is another kind of, well, very tall building that's supposed to be standing almost next to One World Trade Center, um, but that's still basically going nowhere because of uh, because of economics. Basically, there aren't enough uh, there's not enough demand for office space at the moment, so that one's that one's parked. But anyway. Five World Trade Centre has now been given the go-ahead. This is developed by Brookfield Properties and Silverstein Properties and designed by KPF, our favourites. KPF, they know how to do a skyscraper. 274 metres, mixed use, uh, as I said, rising kind of literally opposite the uh, 9-11 memorial site and just behind the St Nicholas Greek Orthodox Church and National Shrine, which is that incredible white marble building that kind of glows at night. It's, it's fantastic. I saw it when I was over there um, earlier this year, and it's it's stunning. Um, now, as you might expect, this building uh, does contain office, retail, and residential space. As I said, it's mixed use. But in an unusual move for New York, 400 of the project's 1,200 residential units are going to be marked as affordable and reserved for low- and middle-income earners. 80 of those are then going to be offered to survivors of the 9-11 attacks, assuming they'd actually want to live in a skyscraper on the Ground Zero site, which feels a a bit strange. There's been a long, long, long gestation period for this one. Um, Basically, the deal to construct affordable properties in the tower was struck between the state government, this is uh, Governor Hochul, and the developers. There is an element of state funding to make the construction of affordable units financially viable, for the development teams so basically they've had to the government's had to put some money in to help build these affordable homes on the site because there wasn't really the the market dynamics weren't there the business case wasn't there for developers huge building not the best looking building it's kind of quite understated in a way but that's kind of the goal i think it doesn't want to overshadow the other stuff that's around it it's good we've got affordable housing being built in New York. There isn't really the definition of affordable isn't that clear. I think it's two-thirds of the local median income. Uh, it's what I saw in the New York Times report. Um, but yeah, we're, we're nearly, nearly 22 years on. Sorry, I think I said 23 earlier. We're nearly 22 years on from 9-11. Uh, and still, this site is developing and emerging. Lots of comments on this. Lots of feedback on this. Lots of talk about this. Guys, what do you think of five-world trade center comes to you first Luke
1: um I understand that it wants to be understated I understand that it doesn't want to take away all the glory from one world trade center I I I really love and respect that it's um quote-unquote affordable I mean let's see how affordable it is in reality but um no all in all I think it's a nice idea the architecture the actual vision for the tower is so average it's so painfully average it looks like um it looks like a tower that would be built in manchester like today and i mean that in like in, in, in a good way they they've front up some really cool towers in manchester but it like it, it looks it doesn't look worthy of the world trade center in new york city um i don't know mate I don't know, just seems like a bit of a bland building. And I think that's a shame for the, for, for the site, the legacy. I, yeah, just think it's a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, what, what do you reckon, Liam? Am I being a bit too harsh? I know you love a
2: skyscraper, mate, so. <laughs> I 100% agree with you, mate. I think it's really bland. I think, um, you know, people always say this about skyscrapers, it's just a glass box. And I think this just looks like a glass Box, just sort of plonk there um, yeah I just I think it's really bland and I agree with you I don't you know the one world trade center name you'd expect something a lot more visually appealing I think or arch- better architecturally designed yeah. yeah I think they've done a good job of the 9-11 memorial site that park the
0: fountains the museum underneath are, is incredible I think it's a very very well done tribute I think the oculus is amazing one World Trade Center is the tallest building in the Western Hemisphere, tallest building in New York, tallest building in America. We've talked about it a lot. It's kind of a product of compromise. There was a lot of arguments over that building. It took a long time to get built. It finished in 2014. You know, that's, a, that's a long time after 9-11. Um, so it it's kind of grown on me, and I think it's grown on society over the years. It's become this kind of iconic symbol of New York. The other buildings around the side – there was this original plan where they're all supposed to have this angled roof that kind of makes them bow down and look down into the, the fountains and the memorial space. That seems to have been abandoned now. But they almost need to be more understated. You know, this is this is on the block south of the memorial fountains, the memorial site block. So it's it's not it's kind of technically part of the World Trade Centre campus, but it isn't doesn't feel like it's the World Trade Centre, if you know what I mean. So I what I'm basically saying is they can get away with it. Mm. Yeah, but still. <laughs> 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 the more interesting bit of this for me is that it, the city, re- obviously the government, the governor, the state government, they know there's an affordable housing crisis. We've made that very clear to them in our YouTube videos over the years. Uh, and they they are trying to do something about it. But what it proves is that it took government intervention. It took government actually funding the construction of these things for it to happen there isn't there aren't the market dynamics there we haven't created the kind of the economy the system or the culture that would enable affordable housing to be constructed where it needs to be constructed uh naturally if you know what i mean it has it has to be very engineered and that's it's good that this is happening it's just sad that that's what it took also, I really like the thing about uh, eighty of the apartments being reserved for survivors of nine eleven, um, and I don't know. I'm not a survivor of nine eleven. I don't. I can't begin to imagine what those people families have been through. I struggle with those people wanting to go back and live in a high rise tower overlooking the memorial site. It just doesn't feel like something I would want to do. But hey, maybe I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, I, I agree, mate. I, I yeah. I myself in that situation, I'd probably um, be inclined not to do that. Did the original World Trade Centre um, – so did it have res- residential accommodation there?
0: I don't think it did, no. But they actually they cleared some residences and people who lived in Lower Manhattan to make way for the original 1970s World Trade Centre site. And that was very controversial. So basically a load of housing was, was cleared out of the way. People were displaced. For them to build that original 1970s site, and that was that was pretty controversial. So part of this, if you read the more the more detailed analysis of it, is about trying to bring residences and residential spaces back into back into Manhattan, particularly lower Manhattan. Sorry, um, and it's interesting. There's a lot of stuff in ha- happening in cities around the world right now where office space, unused office space, is being converted by developers into residential space uh there's there's actually two massive i live in surrey in the uk there are two massive kind of insurance company campuses out where we are there's a legal and general one and there's an aviva one both of those have been shut down and mothballed. they were enormous custom-built office campuses with sports grounds uh parks car parking you name it, it's all there Uh, They've both been shut down. are both now going to be converted to housing. Yeah, that's happening on my doorstep. And it's happening in skyscrapers in big cities around the world as well. So yeah, this seems to be... I think we're going to see more residential housing in towers on Manhattan Island. It's just that cracking that nut of how to make it affordable. Mm. Lots of comments on this one. In fact, we've had almost 100 comments on this one. Uh, Mm. Most people saying it's a bit of a glass box, a bit unexciting. uh, And most other people asking where Two World Trade Center is or wanting a replica of One World Trade Center built next to One World Trade Center so we have twin towers again. Interesting fact, though, about One World Trade Center is it's actually supposed to look like the two towers merged together, morphing out of each other. That's what that diamond-triangular twist thing is. Anyway, uh, let us know what you think, guys. Get your emails coming in. Now, we're crossing over the Atlantic uh, to London, the best city in the world. From from the second-best city in the world to the best city in the world, Let's talk about another building that's been given the green light. This has been kicking around for a little while, but now we've got official approval and some fresh renders. 285 metres. It's rising from a site at 55 Bishop's Gate. So the kind of working title right now is 55 Bishop's Gate, but they might call it something else. Uh, 60 stories. Plans have given it the green light. Now it's going to be nestled in amongst other towers, including Leadenhall, 30 St. Mary Axe, Tower 42... Twenty-two Bishopsgate, uh, all the, the usual, the big hits of London, six hundred million pounds uh, altogether. It's going to add seventy-four thousand square meters of office space into the city of London. Um, not sh- quite sure the darling of that's right, but but there you go. Uh, and at the top, there is this very nice three hundred and sixty-degree glass viewing observatory called the Conservatory. Uh, that looks nice. That's a nice touch. Another viewpoint in London. Bit of an oven potentially. It's a glass box on top of a skyscraper, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Works due to start in twenty twenty four. Completion is slated for twenty twenty nine. I I like this. It's another skyscraper in London that's got a bit of an identity, but it's not trying to be novelty like the stupid can of ham or the walkie talkie.
2: <laughs> the can of ham.
0: Yeah, you seen the can of ham?
2: No. I've probably seen it, but what is it? <laughs> so that that
0: first render, right? Um, um, if you look at the far left of the picture, down the bottom, there's a little kind of like half <laughs> like a little can of spam.
2: <laughs> it's a really oh, beautiful detailed building, yeah. Yeah, you must yeah. have heard of the can I have. Mate, I've walked past that building probably hundreds of times. <laughs> I used to work around there. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Fred. I think it looks great. It's got its own identity, like you say. It's it's unique. And I think that's why I appreciate London's skyline is all the buildings are quite different. You know, you've got the gherkin, you've got the walkie-talkie, you've got the cheese grater. 22 Bishop's Gate, I mean, that sticks out like a sore thumb in my opinion. I don't think it's got any sort of um, anything really going for it. But this one, I love the, the sort of the beams on the exterior. Yeah. I think they look fantastic, like going up it. Yeah. And I think the conservatory, that's a great idea. That'd be amazing. Mm. Until a building gets built in front of it. But yeah, it'd be great. If you can get up there <laughs> uh, on one of the sunny days in London. That'd be awesome. What do you think, Luke?
1: I I love it, mate. I absolutely I'm so happy this has been greenlit. Um I'm I'm a huge skyscraper fan. Like this this is why, like, I love architecture, you know, when buildings like skyscrapers were being constructed in London and when I was younger I'd be going up, I'd see, you know, these towers in Canary Wharf being built, the shard being built. And um yeah, this feels like a proper big boy skyscraper being built in London again. Um, I just wish it was taller. I just wish London could sort out kind of its its um flight ceiling the flight path ceiling from London City Airport and Heathrow that kind of stops these london these these london skyscrapers from going any taller um because i i feel like this would be a great a, a fantastic tallest building in london design um but no i love it i think it it looks the design is quite feminine um but yeah i i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a huge fan huge fan <laughs>
2: Do you guys think they've made the Gherkin a little bit bigger than what it actually is in this, in the first render? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not that tall. Honestly, like oh,
0: no. <laughs> gherkin has been made larger. <laughs> possibly, possibly. I tell you what, doesn't it make the Gherkin and tower 42, they were the first quite kind of two skyscrapers in London. It makes them look tiny. Now it does show what's going on. It's, there's a few comments on about it. So people are saying, um, "Love London skyline. This is really cool. It's great to see more skyscrapers." Uh, one chap here, I think his name's Dan, is saying that it's a really nice building, but they keep smashing them all together. How can you appreciate them? At least in New York, we space them out a bit. Not sure so that's true. We space them out a bit in New York, but the, the massing we've got going on here is is good. We have got. You know, we've grouped our skyscrapers quite well around the city of London and then again around Canary Wharf and then again kind of around uh the Vauxhall area. Obviously there's high rises happening everywhere now. The shard stands out on its own but does look cool. So yeah, a few comments on that. Um otherwise people are saying it looks good, it's very nice. Uh this who's this chap? Joe is saying, nice, but please tell them to try and smooth out the curves. Okay, Joe, we'll feed that back to the architects. Uh <laughs> And then another, just one, one more for, for a bit of context. Mike is saying, it looks like a dragonfly's wing, a bit crammed into an already busy skyline, but loving the attention to detail. So oh here we go. Martin, the Gherkin 2.0 is what he calls it. Nice.
1: <laughs> I The thing is though, right? With um, in NYC, you space out your skyscrapers a bit more. Well, yeah, you can because you have a grid street block the city of London, where these towers are being built, are literally being built on Roman road outlines. You know the pattern, the road pattern has not changed for like more than a thousand years. So that's why it looks all crammed together. And and I think yeah, it, it does. It does look a bit busy, but I think that's what contributes to to, to its unique look. It doesn't look quite like other city skylines around the world although there are glass boxes that could be anywhere there's one or two of those it's still i don't know it has it has its own identity to it and i think yeah this this tower looks like a london tower so i'm i'm really happy with it mate really happy with it
2: i um i wonder what the uh microclimate will be like in that area once this is done and uh, a few others uh skyscrapers are completed in the area because i used to work around there about i don't know but Eight years ago, I think, and I used to cycle past Liverpool Street, so down Bishopsgate every morning, <clears throat> and I just noticed over the years. I I did it for about six years, and I just noticed over the years the climate sort of changing there, and the wind just yeah. just just whips down that road, and you get a really savage headwind when you're um, heading towards um, London Bridge so I, I, I and it's always very obviously because the, there's a lot of the, the buildings are blocking out the sun there it's always very cold there as well so i wonder how how much that's going to affect it in the next sort of
0: we 10, actually 15 years. we did a video back in 2020 about that and actually the wind around those buildings is is crazy and There's actually footage of me in that video doing bits to camera getting getting kind of blown away um it's funny, I was there I was there on Monday morning, so I had a few meetings up in town on Monday, um, and I was, I had a coffee early underneath the Leadenhall building, um, and it was chucking down rain, but I realised walking through those skyscrapers there, I wasn't getting that wet, and it was quite dark, because you're sort of down in this canyon of glass and steel. Obviously, I was in my element, because I love construction, but yeah, it definitely felt different to what I'd experienced that morning, stepping out my front door in Surrey. Mm. it's a big difference let us know what you think about this guys is london skyline going the right way what do you think of this building should it be taller should it be shorter it has the gherkin been exaggerated by somebody in the render has somebody had a cheeky little bit of a, a touch up here and there This they stuck some filters on it let us know <laughs> get your comments coming in um another thing i want to say also in also the news this week is the construction story of the year is back for 2023 entries are open you can uh enter now over at the construction story of the year website link is on the homepage and in the menu of the b1m.com so go and check that out it's also all over our social media so go and check that out i'm really excited by this there's so much good stuff happening in construction at the minute and so many amazing stories that don't get heard about or aren't known about i think using this to lift up those stories and share them with a wider audience is going to be is going to be awesome it's kind of different to other awards. A lot of other awards will give out, you know, are very good, but they'll give out prizes to different categories and things. What we're trying to do here is really celebrate the story. You know, stories cut through more than anything these days. Stories are how we communicate, they're how we exchange information, they're how we they how we sell and connect ideas. So for us, sharing construction's best stories on our platforms and with the world is a really good way of helping them cut through more and also helping make the world more aware of construction and the impact it has. So really pleased we're doing this. There's the entry criteria over on the website. If you are doing something incredible in construction, an amazing initiative, an amazing project, if you fit the criteria, let us know. We want to hear from you. It is free to enter. We have an expert panel of international judges who are fantastic. We're going to be reviewing all the entries. And then we're going to pick three who we're going to shortlist the three on the shortlist are going to have dedicated videos made for them published across the B1M network. We're going to see what the audience reaction is, see what the public reaction is, then have a final judges meeting to basically evaluate that public feedback and the judges' views against the criteria. And then we're going to emerge with a final winner all being announced on the 16th of November. So just before the end of this year, you will know what the Construction Story of the Year 2023 is I know I'm banging on about it, but I'm genuinely quite excited about this because there's some cool stuff
2: happening right now. So, yeah, it's going to be good. Are you excited, Liam? I am, mate. I am really looking forward to seeing the entries. Um, yeah. We had an awesome winner last year. I think ITA took it out last year. They did. Yeah. That's Incredibly one of my- big collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite projects, like, going on in the world. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can um, outdo it this year yeah wasn't one of
1: the um runners up the uh, pets at home in Nairobi I was just about the to say, train station <laughs>
0: yeah. it's just it was on the long list. It wasn't on the short list last year, but uh, I was just about to say, and do you know why? because the other day uh, I was driving somewhere and I drove past the pets at home. And I thought back to that Nairobi episode where you were like, the sort of place you might find a pets at home <laughs> uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing the entries as always guys if, if you've done a kitchen renovation or you've painted your bathroom um maybe don't stick it in for construction story of the year unless there's like a really inspiring twist and angle to it or you've used some kind of very innovative technique uh maybe don't send it in to us you know have a look at what's on our channel and see if you fit the bill but uh yeah we don't want to hear about your local diy project, right? that room you painted white behind you luke not the kind of thing we're <laughs> after <laughs> that is that's an example of what's not construction story of the year mm, we'll see <laughs> anyway guys uh, as I said entries are open now get your entries coming in that is uh, brought to you by the B1M in partnership with Nemetschek Group Nemetschek are teaming up with us again to uh, try and celebrate and lift up construction's most amazing stories so yeah exciting times <laughs> Swinging over to the uh, email inbox or the comments bay, what's landed this week, Luke?
1: Right, we got a cheeky email from Ted Jackson Mount, Jackson Mount hyphenated. He says, hello, Fred, Liam, and Luke. He doesn't, like, go in with the classic Carl joke, which I appreciate. Uh, He goes on to say, love the show, makes my shift fly by every Thursday. I'm a human geography student at Ports Uni. Well, I hope you're human, mate. And I'd love to hear you talk about the proposed 38-storey tower at Jubilee Place and the 19-storey proposed hotel tower at Slindon Street in Portsmouth. Love hearing about the crazy stuff happening in other countries, especially Saudi, but it would be nice to hear about some projects here in the UK. Uh, Yet again, thank you for doing doing the show and keeping people up to date on all things construction cheers ted um yeah i I was in portsmouth only a few weeks ago months ago now for the comic con down there and i did know it says there's quite a few like high-rise buildings they got the spinnaker tower down at the front and a few like I i don't think they're quite skyscrapers but towers all over the place so the city's definitely going through sort some sort of like regeneration. Uh yeah, Fred, why haven't we done a video on Portsmouth yet?
0: Gee, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it could be. Um I just can't put my finger on it. I mean, forget London, forget 60 story towers in London. It's Portsmouth where the action is, you know. Genuinely, I like Portsmouth. I'm, I'm not taking the piss, guys. The Spinnaker Tower is nice. Um There yeah, you're right. There is there is a bit of explosion in growth down there and it's been interesting. Sorry, there's mm. some interesting housing stuff. There's a, there's a prison. There's a maximum security prison that's being converted into flats, which I'm not kidding you. So it's got this huge high perimeter wall around it. They've obviously built gates through it now, but there's this high perimeter wall around it. They've kind of tried to make into landscaped gardens and things. And then there's this literally radial shaped block where some of the flats <laughs> and apartments are. And it's, and it's got this huge sort of castle gate entrance. <laughs> I'm going to actually find some pictures. Maybe we can have a chat about it next week. But yeah, that that's one of the more interesting housing products I think I've seen anywhere lately is uh, a prison in Portsmouth. But yes, uh, bland high-rise towers in Portsmouth. I just don't know why I haven't covered them on the B1M. Um,
2: I, t- I don't know if the Spinnaker Towers worthy of a shout-out. I, l- I actually lived in Portsmouth in 2007-2008. Uh, I used to work at the uh, walkabout down there. Serving on students' snake bites and vodka red Back in the day. <laughs> are, the, um, are these towers going up in uh, Gunwharf Keys? Is that the spot? I don't
1: know. I think it's I just mean, the, uh, like the town centre, the city centre. Uh, I know the Gunwharf is more I, don't know, mate, the I didn't, I didn't the even room. think I went to the town centre.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, the Spinnaker Tower back up. That is, a, that is an iconic piece of UK architecture even when you're uh, when you a good measure is that when you're landing at like Heathrow or Gatwick and they have all the pictures on the wall of you know, welcome to London and there's like you know there's the Queen's Guards or sorry the King's Guards there's Buckingham Palace there's Big Ben there's London Eye there's the Shard uh, there's pictures of Scotland because we're trying to keep those guys happy you know uh, then there's also there's also the Spinnaker Tower is in there oh wow mm. yeah so there you go if it's good enough for Heathrow's arrivals then yeah
1: yeah. The dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the measure.
0: That's nice of him. Yeah, no, we'd we'll, we'll definitely uh, explore the idea of doing a major B one video on Portsmouth. Definitely. Not. Mm. <laughs> bit mean, mate. <laughs> <laughs> not as mean as your quiz marking, bit yeah, marsh. You, oh, can't, mate, cause, you can't
2: call anyone mean ever again. No. I'm fair. Oh also I did Google your um reclaim land is an artificial island. You are correct on that. But you're still yeah, wrong a on point. the point
1: add, add
0: the point noise right there. Ding ding! <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, get your comments coming in, get your feedback coming in, podcast at the b1m.com. And if you're still listening, we'll be back in your ears next week. Ooh, that's a new button. Oh. What are we all doing. <laughs> <laughs> We're all talking
2: <laughs> during the quiz. Is like <laughs> during the quiz. Fred's like, thinking, hey, <laughs> this is what we needed because Luke kept blurting out the answer. It was like he was like a quick fire, like it's like Uno. It's not my fault, mate. Not my fault. It's too quick. Like, it's like Uno. I don't even know. I don't know. Know if you do that in Uno. I like <laughs> to play. That. I never played Uno. <laughs> Whoa! We never play Uno, yeah, man. Look well, at our heads just bouncing up and down. This is cracking me up. Oh if you
0: don't unclick it, it just keeps doing it.
1: Oh, just,
2: just, just, <laughs> great.